Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, Tomorrow's Leaders, I have a great guest for you today. Jennifer Rodriguez is the owner of Think Holistic Fitness, which is a semi-private women-only training uh, and fitness facility, and they do phenomenal stuff. So I had a really cool conversation with Jennifer about business and about how she's navigated the business through the pandemic. Uh, So great, great leadership stuff there. And we spent a lot of time just talking about how you improve yourself and physical fitness and mentality and overcoming negative self-talk and all kinds of great stuff. So I really think you're going to enjoy this. Listen, take notes, and have fun. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related related to leading yourself and leading other people. I'm John Laredo, your host, here with a fantastic guest with a truly inspiring story, Jennifer Rodriguez, who is the owner of Think Holistic Fitness. Um, Jennifer, welcome. Hi. Thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you are in the backdrop of your business, which looks like a phenomenal gym and a place that you can't help but become more healthy just by walking in there, right? That's all you got to do. Is well, we, we hope so. <laughs> yes. So this is where all the ladies work out. They come in and train, learn to lift heavy things. Awesome. Great equipment there. And that's where all the action happens. Yes. Good yes. Stuff. Good stuff. Well, I want to get into that. I want to talk about your business. You've got, you know, you're a successful business owner. I love to have business owners that are having success, especially now during the pandemic, because you've you've definitely had to do some unique things. Um, I want to get into that a lot, but I think it would be really great. I know your backstory. The audience does. And I think it's an incredibly interesting and inspiring story. So you want to take us back a little bit to kind of where things started? So years ago, many years ago, more than 20, now that I think back, um, I was a professional flutist and I had a flute studio consistently of 60 students per week. And I was an adjunct um, faculty member at Queens College in New York. And I played professionally and um, I played for years. I started playing when I was six years old and it was my life and it's what I knew to do. And it fit my personality really well of being somewhat obsessive compulsive. I like repetition. I like doing things consistently. Um, But, you know, after a certain point, I was about 28 years old. And about a month after my mom passed away, I got in a car accident up in Long Island. And a car lost its rear axle off its off its, you know, car, and it was like swiveling back and forth. And I thought the driver was drunk. Um, but he wasn't drunk. He had lost control because the axle fell off and he swung into me. And literally I had a, a, my Jeep then drove like sideways. Like it was crazy. Um, so I didn't think I was hurt so badly after that, but then about three weeks later, I was having a lot of numbness, tingling, deadness down my arm. And I had herniated two discs in my neck Mm -hmm. and that just caused, you know, chronic pain for three years, I would say three years. And yeah. did that, so what did that do to your play, playing the flute? I mean, that, I'm just kidding. Uh, was that- I, 
I'll never forget the day I knew I couldn't play the way I wanted to anymore. I was very good. I had very good technique, uh, finger technique. That was my signature claim to fame. And I remember demonstrating something for a client, a uh, client, then a student. Yeah. And I remember I could not get the fingers on my left hand to keep up with the fingers on my right hand. Wow. And I was pretty devastated, you know, because it was something that was so natural for me and I couldn't do it anymore. And I remember saying to myself in my head, I didn't say it out loud at the time, but I said, okay, this is it. I'm putting my flute down because wow. um, I didn't like that. I couldn't do what I used to do and I couldn't get an answer. Why? So you felt um, like I just it kept... wasn't, you couldn't get, you couldn't play at that level and mm -mm. that was not you were, that was not something you wanted to do. If you couldn't play yeah. at the level that you knew you could. If I couldn't play at that level, I didn't want to play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I look back on that now. That was a bad attitude. Um, but, <laughs> well, but I, I didn't it, want though. to play. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. totally get it. You know, you're, you're, you, it sounds like your whole life was that you're at such a high level. And I know a lot of people like that, whether it's athletes or people in, in business that have specialty or talents or whatnot, when you feel yourself not being able to get back up there, did the, did the passion go away a little bit or the enjoyment or was it just a matter yes. of, yeah. It was interesting though. It went away and I, I didn't want to, cause I couldn't do what was my thing. You know, my thing was being super technical and playing really fast. That was mm -hmm. my thing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that anymore. And, um, I, I couldn't manage to fix myself. I went to chiropractors and for acupuncture, I did everything. And then shortly after that, um, you know, my daughter's father and I, we were married. We moved down here to North Carolina and I was still having pain. I lived in Goldsboro and I remember going for an x-ray on my neck and my neck was like completely straight. Like you should have a curvature in your neck and it was completely straight. And one vertebrae was buckled over another wow. and the pain was just constant. I felt like I had like a snake around my neck. Wow. Um, so, you know, after, you know, they wanted to put me on painkillers and um, I didn't want to do anything like that. Um, that's, you know, I didn't mind taking an occasional muscle relaxer, but I don't like having to rely on medication to that degree. Um, so somehow, some which way, after we moved, we moved up here to, you know, the Holly Springs area, I found somebody that understood how to do trigger point injections. And after the trigger point injection, I was able to start weight training myself literally out of pain. So there was a period of time that I was like, okay, this combination's working. Hmm. And because from the pain, I had so many atrophied muscles in my back. Okay. So the more atrophied the muscles became, the more your body goes into pain. Mm -hmm. So the more the muscle atrophies, the more your body compensates, mm -hmm. the more it compensates, the more you go into this, you know, very poor compensatory mechanism. And that was my pattern for years. I didn't know it. Nobody can explain it to me, but once I could look back now and see what had happened, I was literally like kind of re-engineering where I was supposed to go. I was giving rehab to myself without really understanding. But then once it started getting better and then I would do different things, I would do some neck traction. I would do some, some chiropractic that worked a little bit, but really what it was, was just getting stronger, mm -hmm. you know, getting the right muscles to be stronger. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was like, okay, maybe there's more I need to know about this. And that's when I started educating myself more going back to school yeah. Was and that, now, was I, that the first time you got into working out uh, or had you? Worked no, out I had life? always worked out. Yeah. I always did work out, but okay. not to the degree where I was like, okay, this muscle clearly feels better when I do this. Mm -hmm. Not so thought 
thoughtfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a background in Alexander technique, which is for musicians. We use that a lot, but it's really getting in tune with muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to kind of use some of that to kind of help myself a bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then I started studying postural restoration. Okay. Which is pretty, it was not known back then. Um, but it's really kind of learning different ways to get your body to come back into a zone of apposition. So that was something new years ago. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of new. People are like, Oh, wow. You know, postural restorations, that's cutting edge. But to me, it's like was knowledge from years ago because it was one of the things that helped me. Yeah. You know, so I studied that some more and it just kind of evolved. And I remember I worked at the Y. I was working at the Y, you know, upstairs on their wellness floor. It was a part-time job at the time. And somebody asked me, like, they're like, oh, you weight train? And it wasn't the thing for women to weight train, you know, that was like 12 years ago. You know, it wasn't the thing. Um, and I was like, yeah, I weight train. They're like, oh, we're looking for a female trainer, you know? So I worked there for a while teaching women to get off the cardio equipment and get off the treadmills and get out of, you know, nothing against group fitness, but come in and lift some, you know, real weights. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And that's kind of how the whole thing started, you know, and I didn't expect it to be something. I didn't totally expect it to be something until, um, unfortunately my marriage ended Mm -hmm. and I was, my daughter was about five and I was like, Oh, I was like, okay, well, this didn't go as planned. (laughs) This wasn't the plan, but here it is now. And, um, that was a pivotal time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That really made me look at things and say like, okay, you know, I have to, you know, be much more for my daughter now. Mm -hmm life is very different. Did it immediately come to you that, Hey, you know what my future and and what I want to do is, is in health and fitness. Did you find that, were you still searching at that point? Were you thinking about getting back into playing the flute or? No, I wasn't. I wouldn't get back into playing the flute because when you work at something that hard for such a long time, you know, the amount of time it takes to put into something to become such high level. And I was like, I could never make up for that lost time. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing I thought about for a long time, I was like, what did I like so much about, you know, music? Was it music? And I realized at the time it wasn't necessarily music. It was helping people. Like I loved seeing my students get from one point to another. You know, I had students that got into Juilliard uh, pre-college programs, you know, and, and just seeing them take off and seeing them find this like sense of worth about themselves and sense of pride. That's what I loved. So once I started figuring that out, like it took a lot of like thinking about my, you know, thinking about things, I really had to go back and understand myself at a different point. Mm -hmm. So I would say the first two years after my divorce, I did a lot of soul searching. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was working at the Y then full time. And, you know, and and I, I started connecting the dots, be like, what is it that makes me tick? Like, what do I like? And what inspires me to want to do more and do better. And because you need that in life, you need that in your job. You don't want to feel stale. You want to feel like, oh my gosh, this is the next thing. You know, this is where I can go next with this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I found that common denominator. 
And that's where I started, you know, putting more and more time in education and schooling. I actually started going back to school to get a degree in dietetics. And I did a couple of rotations. I had an internship and that one of them was in a nursing home. And I was like, this is not what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to like, be like, is it this or is it that? Like I was, yeah. you know, it was like a regrowth. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I, I know a lot of people that have gone through kind of that period of time where you're searching, you're trying to understand yourself, you're trying to figure out what your next chapter of life looks like. How That's a really great way to think about it, though. What are, what are you about? What are you passionate about? Because I think yeah. some people, they're, grab, they're, they're drawn more to trying to answer the question of money. Okay, what can I do that's going to yeah. keep me afloat or make me successful and earn a lot of money? And they're going in a direction, the wrong direction for the wrong reasons versus what you started with was, okay, what am I all about? What makes me yeah. happy? What am I passionate about? Right? Yeah. The money, the money was important, but I knew that I never had a problem when I taught, you know, flute students. I never had a problem getting students, mm -hmm. you know, where other people are like, how do you have so many students? You know? And I was like, I don't know. I have a lot of students, you know, yeah. but Part of it was I really enjoyed it. I, I made it fun for people. I liked it. It was enjoyable. Um, I made them do things they couldn't do before. You know, yeah. word of mouth gets around. Um, and I had a good time, you know, mm -hmm. so it was something that I enjoyed doing. So like attracts like, you know, and, and that energy attracts each other. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and the same thing happened at the Y, you know, so I had a lot of people that, you know, got to know me and got to know you know, how I would relate to people and how I would do things. And, you know, especially for women, women, women were super scared of the weight section back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, yeah. not so much. I mean, some women still, you know, but it's mm -hmm. more, um, especially for younger kids, you see, it's more for girls mm -hmm. to, you know, go into a weight section, yeah. but, you know, back 12, 15 years ago, it was not like that. Yeah. It was not like that at all, you know, so taking a woman in there and getting them to feel this new, um, way about themselves was so inspiring. Yeah. Well, for a lot of people, just getting into a gym to do anything is major stepping outside their comfort zone. For others, they're in a gym. And like you said, maybe just not in the right section of the gym. Um, yeah. How about that that person, though, that really um, either has never done it before? Because I'm imagining a lot of your clients that you work with, they're just starting working out. They're just starting on a path to get into better shape. What do you, yes. how do you encourage somebody like that? The person I love training people who hate working out. <laughs> I love that person. I love the person who has injuries because I had injuries, you know, I love people who like are so uncomfortable in a gym. Like I, that's my ideal person to work with. The person who's so uncomfortable in a gym, um, this environment here you know, it's, it's very private. So they can feel that, you know, more like themselves. They're not exposed to everybody watching them. Mm -hmm. um, they can learn from the very beginning, you know, getting those people to have a different experience the very first time um, where they don't feel shame. They don't feel, you know, embarrassed. They don't feel awkward. They don't feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it, it changes their perspective. Then they have a, a, a new you know, a new view on it. And they're like, this isn't what I thought it would be. Or people who've done things before, they would tell me, they're like, I've never done something for this long before, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. getting them to be in a place that they feel, you know, okay. They feel comfortable is yeah. hugely important. Yeah. yeah. What are the one, the, the, the people that you've worked with, the clients that really do the best and make the best 
improvements or accomplishments or reach their goals, what's different about them? Because you're working with a lot of different types of people I know that have a lot of different, you know, natural tendencies or habits or mindsets. What goes into that person that typically really sticks to it and actually, you know, ultimately changes their life? Yeah, they do life better. They learn to do life better. They learn to not get thrown off their game so easily. Um, Or when they start to recognize that it's not the workout that's the problem. It's not the diet that's the problem. It's not the this, that my hormones, it's not those things. I mean, granted, you know, some of those things can play a factor. But once they learn that they may have boundary problems, they let their, you know, family comes first too often. Um, family should come first, but you know, so are ourselves. Like we have to put some part of ourselves first as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when they start to realize that, like, oh, you know, I have a problem with commitment. I have a problem with, um, you know, working through tough times. I have a problem with when life gets overwhelming. I let everything go. I'm a black and white thinker. You know, so you have a lot of personalities that have to overcome those root problems rather than, you know, just thinking it's the workout that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. It's what how life goes on around us. So the people that do the best are the people that have figured out how to do life well. Yeah. So which Those is are a the people. great point. So it's not just, you know, your life in the gym. Um, it's all of your habits and it's every and it's really thinking about and because I know a lot of people like that that, you know, they're so focused and they, it comes from a great place. They're focused on other people. They're focused on making other people happy or or they have a tough time saying no. Um, yeah. They're constantly being pulled in different directions. Um, and ultimately, they're, they're really uh, sacrificing their own happiness and their own well-being because they're so yeah. focused on everybody around them. When what you're saying is it's really got to start when you are focused on yourself and and not even a selfish way, but in a, in a, in a smart way, then you ultimately are a better influencer of other people, right? Yeah. You're better for other people. You're better for other people. You know, some people, they come in, you know, and they have, I can spot an adult child of an alcoholic in a room of 50 people. So when that woman comes in, I'm like, I'll ask the question, be like, anybody in your family ever an alcoholic? And they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, my such and such. They have a way of thinking, you know, they have a way of, you know, perception of what's going on around them. Um, The things that really stress them out are unique things. I can pick that person out and I know them very well because I was one. (laughs) So I know that person and, you know, it's their self-talk, the things that they tell themselves and, you know, getting them to see that these things do not have to be such and such. Um, Then you get people who live life on the pendulum. They're one extreme and then they're the other extreme. They're back, they're forth, they're on, they're off, you know, getting them to learn to live in the center a little bit, you know, and this, we talk about a lot of these things while training. Mm -hmm. So training, I described to them, I said, training is like something, it's like a root, like something that grounds you. It's a ritual, something you do consistently around your ritual. You build your habits and your character and your principles, you know, so weight training for them becomes ritualistic. Mm -hmm. And from there, then it's something that's grounding, something they can count on, something they progress. But meanwhile, outside of that, we're working on all these other things that contribute to the reasons why they fail because they don't just fail with their diet and nutrition. It's in other areas of life too. Yeah. And they carry over. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, you have success in this area and it definitely and I saw it myself. I had 
uh, we were talking earlier, and I'd like to actually get your comments on this, but uh, you know, I dealt with major anxiety, panic attacks for 20 plus years, and I found uh, working out was a big part of me getting over that, and it gave me confidence. So I think about, I just wanted to, you know, when I started back as a teenager, I just wanted to look better. I wanted bigger arms, bigger muscles. Um, but I didn't have I didn't have any idea the impact it would have on my life and how many other areas of my life and really all of them that it directly or indirectly affected. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I mean, in particular, anxiety, because I know that's something that so many people struggle with. Yeah, so many people struggle with it. I struggle with it. I've gotten better with it over time. Um, you know, I was in seven years of an Al-Anon program, which helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that helped me kind of navigate life a little bit better, but anxiety can be crippling. Like there were times I would ha- have anxiety for like three days. And then it was like years ago when I didn't understand my anxiety and it would derail me for days and you couldn't get progress done. You couldn't get anything done. I mean, it can set people back pretty bad. I would be like, don't you see the sky's falling? And everybody's like, it's okay. Everything's okay. Like, no, like really the sky's falling. It's totally falling. And they're like, no, it'll be okay. And I'm like, you're all crazy. Like, this is really bad. That's how it felt to somebody having panic and anxiety. And the other person sitting there telling you it's going to be fine. And you're like, no, this is, can't you feel how bad this is right now? Mm. It's such a terrible feeling. Now, if I get anxiety, I'm like, I know it's happening. I know everything else around me is Okay. I feel this is really bad right now. I feel this is really bad, but I can still take care of myself. And that's what I talk to clients about. Like, even though we feel bad and these feelings, feelings are not facts always. We have these feelings. We don't have to let go of our things that are our rituals and our habits, which ground us, okay, which center us. Um, But anxiety can be horrendous. And for people that struggle with it, sometimes they don't even realize that's the root cause of what's going on with so much of what they're dealing with. But when they finally come to terms with it and they get better tools, it's like life changing. Wow. What might be that first step? I mean, for somebody who's listening, that's dealing with it. And that is a great way and a different perspective of, okay, it's, you know, you kind of, it's almost a level of self-awareness like, okay, Hey, Mm -hmm. I've been here. This is not, nothing's as bad as I'm thinking it is. But you're on the other side of it. You've gone through it. How did? What was that first step or first couple of steps? How do you? How do you start getting there? For me, um, whenever I would get into that anxious mode, um, I would listen to the antithesis of the fear I was having. So I would seek out something that I'm like, okay, I'm feeling this. Like I'm feeling like. Um, you know, one of the big things like here, starting the studio, I was like, how can I do this? Like I have rent now to pay. I have this to pay. I have overhead. I have all this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to like boost my revenue. And I was so fearful that I would fail. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to listen to something else about how people succeeded and what does success look like? And what does my mind have to be like when I succeed? And what are the thoughts that I have to have? So I literally had to listen to somebody else's thoughts because mine were too damaging. Mm. And I know then I started to recognize, I'm like, this is not the time to listen to me. This is the time to listen to wiser words. Yeah. So I would plug myself in. And I think I literally like neuroplasticity. I think I reprogrammed my brain. Mm. 
mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. you know? So I would plug myself into the opposite of what it ever was that I was struggling with. Yeah. That's so, fascinating. And I, I agree a hundred percent. Everybody has self-talk. They talk to themselves. It's most of the time it's negative for most people out yeah. here. And the first step is being self-aware. And I love your approach. You know, the ideal is that you can change your own self-talk, but sometimes mm-hmm. you're not in a position to be able to do that. Um, and listening and getting it from somewhere else, you know, and starting almost to envision the other side of that of, okay, well, what what happens if this really takes off? And I'm making, I'm too busy and I'm making too much money. And I'm, you know, you start to fill your yeah. head almost with the other side of that spectrum there. And that's pretty cool. And it does, it works extremely well. Yeah. It does. It does. And I'm a small goal builder. I'm like an attainable goal builder. Like some people are like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, be a multimillionaire by such and such or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm like, I got to see that next goal. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, hit this number of revenue that month. Then I'm going to hit this number. Then I'm going to hit this number. And that was more attainable for me to see. Um, so I do that with everything, like any little, you know, I have to have attainable steps. So Mm -hmm. I set those goals because everything's progress. Like people will be like, Oh my gosh, I'm not losing weight. I'm not making any, you know, this and that I'm like, um, remember three months ago you were binge eating. Remember that? Are you still binge eating? Oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm like, that's progress. Like, yeah, the scale may not drop 25 pounds. Okay. But you have to make those little small steps happen before you get to those big wins. Mm -hmm. And I think people look for the big win and they already talk themselves out of it that they failed, you know, if they don't see that big win. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to see those little like such little things, such little things are progress. And every little thing you have to look for is progress heading in the right direction. That's a great point. You know, I talk to people and this goes for, you know, health as well as business and leaders that I talk to that oftentimes we we get uh, misled in our mind because we're tying the wrong result to um, our result is is reinforcing the wrong action or behavior. So for example, somebody, mm-hmm. somebody might step on, you know, I might eat two or three cheeseburgers today and I might actually step on the scale tomorrow morning and have maintained my weight or even dropped a pound. Um, which gets me thinking, okay, well, maybe my body's just wired differently and I can actually handle eating a cheeseburger or two every single day. So, or on the other side, Hey, I ate so healthy today or yesterday over the last couple of days, I didn't drop any weight. So obviously it doesn't work. You know, people's mind plays games with them. Right. And the scale messes with people. I do. I I literally coach. It's funny. I coach people through stepping on that scale daily and work on what their feedback mentally is. Yeah. yeah. Because they mess with themselves every time they step on that scale. So then what do they do? They don't step on the scale. Yeah. And then when they step on it, they're like, where'd that 20 pounds come from? I'm like, you should have been stepping on the scale. Like, don't you check your bank account? Like at least weekly, I check mine daily, but I'm a little anal. Yeah. I, I'm one of those yeah. steps on the scale every day. So that might not be, uh, be good, but it might be too much, but the point is that, you know, you, it's all, it's not a surprise if you do the activities and you get in the right behaviors and rituals, as you're talking about, yeah. then over the long term, you're going to see results. And it's about, yes. I love what you said about the progress. It's not, a lot of times people get caught up mentally in the difference between where they are now and where they ideally want to be. And sometimes that can be really demotivating versus and frustrating versus looking at, hey, here's where I was a a, a month ago or two months ago. And here's how I've progressed. And here's what I should be proud of. And, 
you know, yes, be, be happy with that, right? Yeah, I mean, to look for those those little wins, because, you know, once you get like, you lose all the weight, then what? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so you reached your goal, then what? And a lot of people, I like seeing them, you know, they have a number goal in their head or whatever. And I, you know, I, I just, I'm like, okay, you want to use, lose 20 pounds. Um, but who they are at the beginning and who they are at the end, when they do it well, and they do it successfully, is two different people. When someone really, truly, authentically loses the weight and transforms and it's genuine, that person never goes back to the person that they were. Mm. The person that forces it off and just focuses on forcing it off or forcing it through, they always regress. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good. That's yeah. why you see a lot of people go up and down and wait or they, you yeah. Know, yeah, okay. It's, yeah, because there's certain foundations that they never really got. You know, um, you know, and, and it's so reflective in like their personal development. So I could see personal development being directly correlated to people's success in weight training or whatever it may be, or losing weight or jobs or businesses. Mm -hmm. it, it really does come down to that personal development factor. Yeah, definitely. Well, we, I, I want to, and it's interesting, I could talk to you about working out and health and fitness uh, for hours because I'm, I'm obsessed with it myself. Uh, but <laughs> I'd love to talk about your business because you did a great job. You know, there's so many business owners that are listening to this and leaders in general that, um, we're in a tough time. You know, we've been through now at the end of 2020, uh, nine months of the pandemic, and it has really put an ultimate stress on people and businesses from every aspect of life. I mean, from health and finances and relationships and businesses, mm -hmm. you know, some have, it's met, meant the breaking point of either surviving or in some cases pivoting and thriving. And you've really done what sounds like a great job uh, of pivoting. And I'd love to have you share kind of tell us about when the pandemic hit, what were you thinking? What were you doing? <laughs> what were you feeling? <laughs> I remember saying to Erin, who works with me next door, I'm like, what are we going to do about this COVID thing? And she's like, I'm not worried. I'm like, nope, you should be worried. Like, and she's like, nope, not worried. It's going to take two weeks and then it's going to come and go. <laughs> and I was like, mm, I don't think so. So when they finally said, okay, that's it. You know, they shut everything down. I was just like, oh my God. Like, I just felt like having somebody tell me I can't do my business was extremely hard for me to accept. And it wasn't that I didn't believe it was real or this or that, but someone telling me you have to close your doors, you can't operate. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is my business. Like, how can you tell me not to do that? I never worked so hard in those first two and a half days. I think I might've slept five hours a night mm -hmm. and I put my whole program online so quickly and I set up Zoom. I'd never used Zoom before COVID. I set up everything. I set up my studio. Like I have a whole behind me here. I have a whole big television set that's hooked to my computer that I can see. So I can see clients in pretty life size up on the screen. And I kept my schedule in the studio exactly the same for clients, except they were at home. Nothing changed. They were home. I think I made, I don't even know how many piles of workouts. In fact, I have them here. All these piles of workouts that are stuff that they do at home. And that first couple, you know, so, so I said, we're not missing. I took all my weights. I gave all my weights out to my clients. I said, take them home. 
I said, I expect to see you tomorrow. I said, when life hits you, you have to keep your routine. So that was pretty much the message the whole time. Like, even though life is changing, you have to have something that stays consistent no matter what. And if you're really committed to a goal, you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You don't do it because it's convenient. You don't do it because it's nice. You don't do it because you're going to meet your friends there. You know, you don't do it. You do it because it's a discipline and it's something you've disciplined yourself to do Mm -hmm. no matter what. And if you don't have ideal equipment, then you do something else. Um, So that was pretty much the attitude that we had. But my gym was empty and... Most of my equipment was gone and my clients took a lot of it home and some of them had stuff and we continued on for a while until it was able. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And then what's that? Oh, no. And then I really didn't have like any major drop in revenue or I I was very lucky. Well, that's an incredible accomplishment for your business. Um, And congratulations. I mean, that says a lot about you. It says a lot also about your business and and the relationship you have with your clients and just the fact that you gave your clients your weights. Um, that to me <laughs> yeah. is amazing. Like, you know, I don't know many, if any gym owners that did that cause you couldn't find weights. I think they I, did. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's good. I, 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 I was not around any because <laughs> I would have loved to have got some weights. I was in Boston <laughs> at that time and I'm like, I didn't have a home gym. The gyms were closed. I mean, I was miserable for a few months. I'm like for, for somebody who's used to working out a lot, you take that away and you, you at least can't do the yeah. workouts that you like to do. But um, the uh, the 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 interesting thing, you know, the pandemic was this massive change. Now, some people looked at it as like the the person you were speaking of is okay. This will just blow over in a couple of weeks. But I think a lot of businesses and business owners got caught up in the fact of okay, let me just uh, sit and wait and let this thing go by. Which there are some things I think that makes sense. But in this case, this is a massive change. It's uncontrollable. It's a massive change, which really requires what you did. And that's a massive activity or action, a massive response. Yeah. Your massive response was to change your whole business model and be able to deliver it virtually in a matter of 48 hours, which is tremendous. But most people don't think like that, right? I mean, is that unique? Do you think? Is that how, you know, what do you, what are your I know people were scrambling to do it. I know that people got it up and got it going. Um, you know, they, they did it, you know, their ways that they did it, but you know, I kept my groups online. I mean, I had the same amount of training hours on, you know, zoom that I did in the studio. So mm-hmm. in other words, I still had small groups, you know, four or five people at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I even had, you know, some people that I would call my clients. I'd be like, you you say like, I don't know how to use Zoom. I said, we'll set up a time. I'll walk you through the whole thing. I'll help you set it up on your computer. We'll go through one-on-one. I'll help you set up your room in your house. Like we did that via Zoom. So I did that for about 20 clients, like people who've never used Zoom before, who are like 68 years old, never did anything like that. I'm like, this is how you're going to open up Zoom. Ready? Here we go. I did that. I hand held people through it. So they didn't have an excuse, you know, to not. So let me ask you, um, let's talk about leadership itself, because I look at leadership as, as anytime you're influencing somebody to do something that they wouldn't have done or think a different way uh, than they wouldn't have without you, then that's that's leadership. And sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. Um, and it's leading other people, it's leading yourself. What do you think, what is great leadership? I mean, what are the best leaders? What kind of characteristics do they have? What does it really take? to influence somebody in a great positive way in the right direction? 
To me, I think, you know, people that I've looked up to in the past, well, I think, you know, they, they talk to you in a way that makes you excited about your own self. And they make you excited about taking that next step up instead of feeling like it's a should or, you know, it's a must, you know, so to try to inspire something from within to make them want to do such and such. And even though I may want somebody to count their macros, right, and be super strict about that, but even just getting somebody to have, you know, a protein shake between 2 and 5 p.m., you know, to prevent dropping serotonin and, you know, sugar cravings that come so they don't derail the rest of their day. Um, getting them to see that, oh, okay, this little change made me better. Yes, I could do this. Yes, I could do that. Getting somebody to see that they can do something that wasn't what they thought they could do. And then it becomes a snowball effect. Um, You know, so that's one for a leader. Another for a leader is being genuine. You know, my clients know all my struggles. They know, you know, when my father died in August 14th, I mean, they saw some of my worst times you know, and they saw times when they're like these past three months, COVID was nothing compared to these last three months, like getting through COVID, I think was preparation for me to deal with this next challenge, you know, Mm -hmm. and they were just like, Oh, my gosh, Jennifer, like, I don't even know how you're still standing after all of this. Mm -hmm. And talking about compartmentalizing, you know, like, yes, I have life happening over here, but life doesn't have to happen to me, it could be happening all over there. Okay, and and teaching them that they don't have to internalize every single thing, you know, Mm -hmm. they can still do self care, they can still meet certain goals, they can decide to maintain, they may not make progress, but they can make a decision to maintain and not let life just swing them here and there. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I think those are attributes of great leaders and also people who walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to tell you you know, to not eat sugar and go stuff myself with sugar. Like, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm pretty honest about it. I'm pretty honest when I do stuff sugar in my face, <laughs> you know, I'll tell them, you're like, oh my gosh, I was so stressed out. And all of a sudden I bought this box of Mike and Ike's and half the thing was gone between here and down the road on Holly Springs road, yeah. you know, and clearly I was not in my right mind, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so talking about these things with them and, you know, letting them know that we're all human, you know, I so, think that, that's so yes. perfect. Uh, so, so perfectly said, because I think, you know, the days of the leader being the, I have all the answers and I know everything and, I'm perfect in this and that. I mean, that just doesn't fly. I mean, people, people aren't drawn to that type of person. They want somebody who is real. Uh, They want to follow somebody who's, who, who's, you know, who, who really is human, who's like them and, but figured out how to overcome some of the bad tendencies or figured out how to make better decisions or figured out how to do things a little different that gives a better result. And that, that's, that's better. That's better uh, and easier for somebody to relate to and follow, and that's sounds yeah. like what you're what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even you know, yeah, herniating my back. How'd you do it? Acute injury, but yeah, I'm screwed up. Like I can't work out, but I can do what I can do is this. So I'm not going to just like take this as a sabbatical for four weeks. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you work on what you can do. You know, so yeah. and. <clears throat> you know, keep moving forward in some way, shape or form instead of just throwing in the towel. Yeah. So what's your vision with the business with Think Holistic Fitness? Well, um, I go back, I start graduate school 
uh, January 4th. So I go back for clinical mental health counseling. Um, I always saw this, you know, since it is holistic, it's not that I don't believe in medicine. I totally do. And I have a good um, network of people that I work with, doctors, are in physical therapy. You know, I have good clin- mental health therapists that I work with, good uh, psychiatric nurse practitioners I refer people to. Um, you know, I see this becoming, you know, more of like a one-stop shop, which a lot of people say it is, mm-hmm. um, and bringing it that way um, for in-person And then, you know, online eventually creating, because, you know, there's a lot of disordered eating out there, not necessarily eating disorders, but disordered eating. A lot of people struggle with, you know, types of ways of eating that is unhealthy, you know, so that's one of the reasons why I went into getting this degree, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and to broaden that a lot more and hopefully bring that more into some online digital products. Mm. you know, so can reach right. some more people. That's great. Yeah. So people don't have to be, uh, they can be anywhere and still plug into what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that will go forward. So I'm just, you know, I'm excited to go back to school. I think if I could be a perpetual student, I would be, but yeah. <laughs> it's not real life. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So if people want more information, they want to learn about you, they want to learn about uh, uh, Think Holistic Fitness, how do they get a hold of you? They can just go to uh, www.thinkholisticfitness.com. Um, I always have new promotions up there. Uh, I'll be talking about soon the digital product that I'm going to be coming out with, which is how to fix a broken diet. Because a lot of people, they know it's broken and they just keep breaking it more. I'm like, well, you're doing more of the broken part. So we have to go back to the other way. So how to fix a broken diet. Um, so that's going to be a digital product in the next probably couple weeks. And so that'll be out. And then, but yeah, I always have promotions up on my first page, mm-hmm. um, the homepage up there. So things that are going on. So gotcha. yeah, so they can go there and take a look. Excellent. So let me ask you, when people ask you what you do, what's your, what do you tell them? What do you mean? Well, <laughs> oh, what I, do I do? <laughs> yeah. So when, when they say, what do you do? Cause it, you impact people in a lot of different ways. I mean, do you, what, what is your answer to that question? Um, I feel like yeah. I, I basically, I just say I help women live a life that they feel much better about. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's pretty much, you know, so they fix, you know, we fix a lot of different things. There's a lot that goes into that, but you know, women here, I mean, there are women who come in and they're 60 years old. Like one of our clients is 72 and she is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like she is just an amazing human being. And she started training when she was 67. It's never too late. You're never too old. You're never too old to start anything. And things can always get better. Things don't have to get worse. That's what I tell people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can turn anything around at any time that you want, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, our Beverly, everybody talks about Beverly. Like she's, I, I just love her. She's my 72 year old who deadlifts 135 pounds. Like she's awesome. Like wow. nothing stops that woman, nothing at all. And mm-hmm. she found a new version of Beverly, you know, and I love that. I love to uncover that on people. Wow. That's awesome. And it sounds like a pretty cool community amongst the women there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a great community. Everybody likes each other. We don't do women cattiness. Like that does not exist here. It's not even tolerated. (laughs) So yeah, so we we have a great community of people. I think we have like 150, 160 women. So yeah. yeah. That's terrific. And they're all able to to communicate with each other. And there is that kind of feeling of it is being, it's a community. They're not doing it by themselves. 
It's totally a community. And if somebody's missing, where's so-and-so? Did you text? So I'm going to text so-and-so. Where is she? Oh. And they, yeah, they reach out to each other. So yeah, they built a nice little, yeah, little unit for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. terrific. It's kind of cool. Oh. Well, this has been fantastic. <laughs> I'd love to talk to you uh, for more. I know we're at the end of our time here. Um, what last words of wisdom do you want to leave with the audience here today? You've shared so much already, but how, what would you, what would you leave them with? I would say, don't wait for the perfect time. It's never too late. Start yesterday. Don't wait till Monday. Stop that nonsense. And yeah, just take the first step. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I would say. And I would say, this was an Al-Anon phrase, keep coming back. It works if you work it. It works if you work it. I like it. All right. Well, we are going to put all your information in the show notes so people have an easy way to get a hold of you. Um, and this has been really, really great. Congrats on all the stuff that you've done and what you've accomplished. Thank you. And even more so how you're helping people get to what they're where they were trying to get to and, and do things that they never would have been able to do without your help. So congrats on all that. So yeah, thanks. Yeah. We've been here with Jennifer Rodriguez, owner of Think Holistic Fitness. Um, we appreciate you greatly being here, Jennifer. <laughs> and we appreciate all Thank of you, you for uh, you're welcome. We appreciate all of you for listening <laughs> and tuning in. This has been another episode of Tomorrow's Leader. Keep liking, sharing, subscribing, all that kind of good stuff. Add comments, suggestions, go down below, review five stars, of course. I'm always interested in your comments and thoughts. <laughs> and appreciate you joining today. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.